Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Come in where we didn't have to book or there weren't density limits or some form of restriction imposed upon us. And I just want us to take a moment and thank God for that this morning. You know, it's been a long couple of years, you know, we've ridden a roller coaster of emotions, the the ups and downs and the twists and the turns. But, you know, God is so faithful. And we are able to be here as a family in the room and online this morning, which is super, super exciting. So I get to bring our last message of in-person for the year, which is uh, amazing. Um, And I want us to look this morning, maybe at a slightly different perspective than we have looked at previously. You know, the title of our morning this morning is As an Offering. And as I was thinking about offerings in the Bible, there are so many different examples. But the one that I want to particularly look at today is the one when Jesus was born. And so we're actually going to pick up from Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. I'm just going to raise this up because I maybe didn't bring my glasses with me this morning. So uh, bear with me if I stumble over my words. But um, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everybody in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. You know, there's some really interesting information that we get from this description of what happened when Jesus was born. You know, we've picked up and we're, we're looking at these, um, these wise men. So uh, essentially, we know that they were Persian magi. Um, they're often referred to as the three wise men or the three kings, um, but there's actually no account of how many of them turned up. It is speculated it wasn't three, it was actually more. They were scholars and students of the stars, and they were aware of the prophecies about Jesus. You know, when they arrived in Jerusalem, their first question was, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Not 
is there a king? Or we heard someone might have been born, but where is he? You know, another thing to note is they came from afar. Their interest was so great in this king that they travelled and sought him out. A star appeared and that was enough for them to pack their bags and go on a journey. You know, I wonder for many of us um, how interesting it would be if we were to have the same willingness to go on just one thing. You know, these people, these, these wise men saw a star and they acted straight away just by seeing the star. As I said, they were scholars of the stars and when they saw it, they knew that something different was happening. They packed up, they travelled and they made sure that they packed gifts in anticipation for who they were going to meet. They didn't need an invitation. They didn't need to be told, they just acted. There were actually so many other people closer in the vicinity at that time that could have brought gifts to Jesus. But it was these wise men that acted and came to find him. You know, I I wanted to look at the gifts because I don't know about you and Wayne mentioned before, but, you know, Christmas gifts is something that we often participate in over this Christmas season. But in the culture of the day, um, if people had the means, then the tradition was actually to bring gifts to pay tribute when visiting a king. You wouldn't ever turn up empty-handed. It actually showed respect for the royalty um, and the stature and the power of that king within the society. And the Magi knew that um, the child would one one day be their deliverer. But even greater, he was going to be the ruler of all nations. The gifts they brought needed to reflect the esteem and the awe that they felt towards the king our Messiah. You know, if we look at the gifts they brought, what did they bring? Gold. Well, gold obviously has a a purity about it and can be refined. It's actually associated with anything of great worth. It reflected nobility and it was a way of worshipping God. What if we looked at frankincense? Well, frankincense is a fragrant resin. It gives off a strong aroma when it's lit and it burns long and steady and it was considered to be quite valuable as well. It was also used in the temple as part of temple worship. And then we look at myrrh. Well, scholars would suggest that myrrh in the time that Jesus was born was actually more valuable than gold at that point in time. So it was a very, very elaborate gift. It's actually a dried gum uh, obtained from the balsam tree and it served many ceremonial practical uses. It was sometimes a component of incense, um, but it also had medicinal qualities about it. Um, Treated a lot of oral health, um, arthritis, as well as being used for pain relief as well. But it was often used as part of the embalming process in that time. You know, these three gifts are said to have been significant as they all represent elements of who Jesus is. 
the gold signifying his kingship, the frankincense, his deity, and the myrrh, a foreshadowing of his death. These gifts were not just any old gifts. You know, we give gifts at Christmas. We give gifts to show love. We give gifts to show appreciation. Uh, You know, many of us have Christmas trees at our homes right now with gifts stacked underneath, waiting just for Christmas Day to be able to hand them over. You know, those gifts are not gifts that we've just grabbed willy-nilly, but there's been thought and time and process in that. There's been finance exchanged. It took time to, well, I don't know about you, but for me, it took time to think and, or create those gifts. So they had some meaning because the gifts help us celebrate with those that we love. It's not about the amount of money that we, we spend on Christmas, but the intent of heart behind those gifts. So what will we give back this Christmas as an offering to Jesus? Think about that for a moment. Sometimes we get so worked up in the season of the running here and running there and the preparations for Christmas Day and have we got all the gifts covered that perhaps we forget sometimes the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. You know, Jesus' arrival signified a shift on earth when he arrived. No longer was sin and destruction the path by which the earth would be known for, but with the injection of Jesus into the timeline of humanity, the course of earth and all of humanity was changed forever because the Savior had arrived. He came from heaven to earth, arriving as all children did. He left his place in heaven to humble himself to be like us. There was nothing glamorous about his arrival. In fact, his arrival saw him being wrapped in pieces of cloth, not one warm, nice, soft blanket, but pieces of cloth. His first bed was not fitted with nice linen, but instead he would lie in a manger, a feeding trough that had been used for the animals. His arrival wasn't met with fanfare or extravagance, but it was simple, adequate, and void of anything that could be described as being elaborate. Despite the simplicity of this first scene in Jesus' life, the earth knew who had arrived. A bright star appeared that was brighter and bigger than something that had ever been seen from the earth before. Angels visited shepherds in a field to herald in the arrival of the king. An earthly king was jealous. You know, we read just before in that passage that that Herod's intent was not to go and honour Jesus, but was to take him out. He wanted to get rid of him before he even truly understood who he was. There was no grand reception on his arrival. In fact, his parents weren't even able to secure traditional lodging. Every place they asked to stay as his mother was in labour was met with rejection and they were told, there is no room. There was no room 
Maybe there was no room because there's no place that could ever contain the grandeur and the incredible person who was arriving there on earth that time. No grandeur would have been adequate to be able to contain him. There is no building that is big enough or special enough to welcome him in. He came for everyone so that every person on earth would have an opportunity to be in relationship with God. His humble arrival did not go unnoticed. Angels left heaven to celebrate with the shepherds in a field. Wise men came from the east following a star with gifts so that they could visit this long-awaited king that they had heard for centuries was going to be arriving on earth. Not everybody recognised who he was, but some knew exactly who he was. He is Emmanuel. God is with us. Our Saviour who came to rescue us from our sin, show us the way to live and remind us to keep our perspective heaven-bound. The Bible actually says that God is love. Love came down from heaven to earth to make known who he is, to live a sinless life and then ultimately go to the cross to cover the penalty for our sin. He came for everyone so that everybody would have an opportunity to know him. And that is why love is Christmas. We've spent the last couple of weeks as a church talking about different elements of who Jesus is. And I want us this morning to take an opportunity to stop and reflect once again. The team can come. You know, as we enter into these last couple of days of 2021, you know, I want us to to take a moment to just stop and, and through everything that we've been through over these last couple of years, the steadfastness, the faithfulness of God, who he is has not shifted. In fact, for many of us, there are so many opportunities that we have seen God move in. Those times that we wondered whether we were ever going to get out of lockdowns or those times that we didn't know perhaps where finance or work was going to come from in the uncertainty that has been these last couple of years, Jesus has remained steadfast. He hasn't shifted. He hasn't left us abandoned. No, he's been there right with us. I want us to ask ourselves this Christmas, what will our offering be to him? Do we need to rededicate our lives to him? Have we felt that our lives have been a bit cold and and disconnected from him? We've allowed the pressures and the weight of our lives to become the determining factor in our relationship with Jesus instead of stopping and looking to him. Do we need to reprioritize some things? What about your heart? Does he hold it all? Has your relationship with him gone cold? He's never moved, but maybe you have. And all you need to do is turn back to him and say, God, I'm sorry. 
today, you can choose to reignite your relationship with him. We're going to take communion together this morning. And I've actually asked the team to lead us in a song as they do that. And the song is called As an Offering. And as you take your communion this morning, I just want you to take a moment to reflect. I want you to take a moment and remember the significance of the elements that we're participating in. That little cracker that you pull out is demonstration of his body and the juice of the blood that he shed for each and every one of us. In Revelation 15 verse 4, I'm going to leave you with this scripture. It says, Who will not reverence you with awe, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy, and the nations will come and bow in worship before you as your blessings have revealed. Come on, as we take communion this morning, you can sit, you can stand, you can kneel, but I want you to have a fresh encounter with God. I want you to lay your life afresh at His altar and say, God, here I am. I am your offering this Christmas. And reflect and thank Him for all that He has done. Thanks, team. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.